he was the lead pastor, he asked these men, he said, given these 11 things, how, much, how many hours do you think I should devote to these 11 areas of ministry, things like leadership development and preaching and uh, you know, pastoral calling and all these things. And he said they, they took this survey and the leaders in his church, when they tallied everything up, the average expectation was 114 hours a week. <laughs> and we laugh at that or we think about that, but I would tell you this, that the church, we would never say that, right? Like we would never tell our next lead pastor, hey, we think you should work 114 hours a week. Please don't tell him that, <laughs> right? But sometimes, by the way we live as members of the body of Christ, that's what we say. When, when you and I choose not to be involved in ministry, whether it's here in the local church or in our community, when we choose not to serve in the kingdom of God, what we're saying is we think there's one person who should do all the work. In this morning journey, my hope and my prayer is that you will hear the command of God this morning. My, my hope and prayer this morning as we continue in this series of A Church Defined is that you will hear the command of Jesus who calls all of his followers as members of the body of Christ to serve. Because when you do, it will change your life. When you choose to serve in the kingdom of God, it won't just change our church, it won't just change our community, it will change your life. And, and we're going to show a video, video here in just a second. And I interviewed on Zoom this week, many of you remember Trevor DeBoer, he was a high school student here at Journey, grew up here in Wayne, he preached the last Youth Sunday that we had, and this video that we're going to show here starts by me asking Trevor a question. I said, Trevor, what went through your mind, what went through your head the first time we asked you to preach for that Youth Sunday? Like, what did you think when I asked you that? And that's what Trevor's going to answer right here. Um, the first the first reaction was I was trying to get out of it anyway. Um, I felt like I wasn't qualified, you know, like I had no reason to be up there telling, you know, adults how to live their life and that kind of stuff. Um, I, it was like a really uncomfortable thing to, um, you know, have to go up there and like teach, teach people like I was perfect or something, you know, that was my initial thought. Um, but then at some point down the line, you said something like, um, you know, it's, it's your job to listen to God and to, uh, to preach the words, but it's, it's his job to like land that on their hearts. And I think that was like the turning point kind of where I knew, okay, I'm not getting out of this, uh, just kind of coming at it with a positive mindset. And that was like a big turning point, I guess. So then once you did it, how did preaching and, and leading something at church, like being used by God at church, how did that change how you viewed like yourself in terms of being able to be used by God to do something. Yeah, I was kind of reminded of uh, like the story of Gideon where like I was in denial at first, but then like I saw how God used me and like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a tragic experience or anything. Um, so it just kind of gave me a little more confidence, I guess, um, that like even though I'm not perfect, like nobody is perfect. So, um, you know, we're all kind of striving to be better Christians, but um, nobody's perfect, so anybody can kind of step in those shoes and lead in the church at some point. So now that you've done that, how has God used you since that to to do something for the kingdom? Uh, yeah, it's kind of helped me with like the come as you are um, mentality. Down here at UNL and CSF, like I've done um, a few leadership things, um, 
I feel like committees and that kind of stuff. Uh, this this Christmas break, I guess, we kind of got a group together um, from Ignite last year and um, did a little Bible study and that kind of thing. So it's just helped me to um, be more confident, I guess, in my leadership skills in the church, um, something that I didn't really, um, I hadn't really practiced until Youth Sunday. So one more question. What would you tell somebody who thinks, man, I could never be used by God? What would you tell them? Um, I guess my, the biggest barrier for me at the start was like the thought that like the authorities I'd say in the church, like the, the figures in the church are like perfect, you know, and like they have everything figured out. But uh, what I found out through uh, that preaching process and talking to you and Troy and stuff that um, nobody is perfect and like everybody is striving to be better. So uh, it's, it's really not like, it's not your talents or like your gifts. It's the way God is using your gifts to reach others. Turn in your Bibles this morning uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at what Trevor's talking about through the lens of Paul. Paul's going to talk about this idea of the church defined as the body of Christ. And together this morning, we're going to learn a lot of what Trevor talked about, that when we follow the command of God to serve and to be involved and to do things that we never thought we could do, it changes our church, it changes our community, and it changes our life. And, and I love Trevor's story because Trevor resisted and resisted and resisted some more and then eventually did what everybody should do and just do what I tell you. And then he did it. And what I love in Trevor's story is that guy is killing it for the kingdom in Lincoln. Like that guy is a leader in our campus ministry in Lincoln. He's leading Bible studies over Christmas. He's doing all these things that he never would have done. And it all started because he listened to the command of God. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us what this idea of the church as a body is supposed to look like. And the first thing we see, we're going to be in verse 12, is Paul tells us that we are one of many parts in the body of Christ, the church. We're one of many. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Jesus. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Paul reminds us that the church exists not because of a building. The church exists not because of its minister. It doesn't exist because of its programs. It doesn't even exist because of its weekly gathering or the sermon or the singing. Paul says the church, the body of Christ, exists because of you and me. Paul says the body of Christ, the church, is made up of many individual parts that come together as one. Paul says as a follower of Jesus, what he's telling us is that you and I as members of the body of Christ, we are a part of something bigger than we could be by ourselves. He, he relates it to the human body because it's the same thing with us, right? Like I think my arm is pretty great, but by itself, pretty worthless, right? Like if you take my arm off, it's not going to do a whole lot. But connected to the rest of my body, my arm can do amazing things. And Paul says individually, you're fine. But when we come together, we serve a purpose bigger than we could have thought. And it reminded me, uh, a couple years ago, uh, CSF, the campus ministry here in Wayne, and our campus ministry in South Dakota and Peru and Norfolk all went together, and they went out to the Carolinas to help with hurricane relief and, and flooding, and so they were there for a week. And their job 
was to take their bodies <laughs> to the Carolinas and to rebuild a house. And they got there and they met this guy named Dave and his wife, and their job was to restore his home. That's what they were sent to do individually, to re-sheetrock walls, to repaint rooms, to refinish floors, to clean off mold, to pick up mud and all these things. Individually, that's what their bodies were supposed to do, and that's what they did. In the course of a week, they literally restored this guy and his wife's home. But at the end of the week, I was told this story that this guy, Dave, had some friends that came over, and they came to our campus ministers, and they told them, they said, we feel like you need to know something. And so these friends began to tell our campus ministers that before they had gotten there, that Dave had become incredibly depressed. In fact, to the point where they were worried that Dave was going to take his own life. And they said, we, we've been worried. We didn't know if he would recover from this. He just had lost all hope. And they said something along the lines of the fact that your team came to restore his home, but we think you've saved his life. And they went on to talk about how what really impacted this family was not putting in a new floor, not refinishing a wall. What really impacted this family was sitting with Dave and hearing his story putting their arm around Dave and giving him a hug as he cried, praying with Dave, letting Dave take them out for supper and sharing with him the hope that he had in Jesus. And when they left, one of our campus ministers told me, these friends told them that we think you have saved his life. And I tell you that story to tell you this, that individually, their bodies restored a home. And that's a big thing. But collectively, as different members in the same body under the authority of Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit, they restored a man's life. And Paul tells us in this passage that the body of Christ has individual members, and they can do great things. But he says we are one of many parts that are supposed to be together. And so this morning, Journey, I want you to understand that you and I, we have a part to play in the life of the church. And the church has a part to play in the life of the world. And Paul goes on in verses 15 through 20, and he tells us, he says, we're all one of many parts, but he says we're all different. He says all of us are different, and all of us are needed in the body of Christ. In verse 15, Paul says that the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, well, I don't belong to the body. Well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. He said, if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, well, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. He said, if the whole body were an eye, where would our sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, I love this verse, he says, God arranged. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, just as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And Paul tells us that the body of Christ, the church, is different, but everyone is needed. Paul tells us that God arranges every part of our human body just the way it needs to be so that we can function in life. And, and, and I don't know if any of you are like this, probably not, because I'm just super weird, but humor me for a minute. Like, I'm going to be that guy when I get to heaven, like, the deep theological questions, I'll save those for later. Like, I've got weird questions for God, like, why did he arrange the parts of the body the way he did? Have you ever thought about that? I think about this all the time. Am I weird? Like, I've always wondered, like, why do I breathe out of my nose and, sorry, pass gas out of my rear? Like, why aren't they reversed? 
You ever thought about that? Like if you sneeze and you, I don't know. Why, why did God let me, t- sorry, this is weird. <laughs> this got real weird. Um, like why do, you, why do you talk out of your mouth, right? Like you know what I've always thought would be cool is if you talked out of your belly button. Like what's your belly button for? I don't know. Like I've always thought that. These are the things I'm going to ask God. It's probably why I'm going to live forever because God is like, I don't want to spend eternity with that. And, uh, <laughs> but, but Paul tells us in this passage, he said, here's the deal. And you, you figured this out already, right? That God arranged the parts of the body just the way we needed so we could do things in life that we never thought we could do. Like Paul has every part of your body and mind, God has every part of your body and mind intricately fit together so that we can do life to the fullest. And Paul says the same is true in the church. Paul says if you're a part of the family of God, if you're a part of the body of Christ, then your specific piece is arranged just the way he wants. And and what that means this morning is that you have something to offer the kingdom of God. That you're here for a reason. Can I tell you that this morning, Journey? That you are here in this place, in this season of life for a reason. And so you should never think you have nothing to offer because the reality is it's not about you or me. It's about the one who created us. In fact, that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1. Paul said, he said, remember when you were called by God when you chose to follow Jesus? He said, not many of you are wise. (laughs) I love that phrase. He's like, remember when Jesus called you? You weren't real smart. He said, according to worldly standards, you weren't wise. According to worldly standards, you weren't powerful, you weren't noble, but God chose what, according to the world, looked foolish to shame the wise. He said God chose what the world thought was weak to shame the strong. God chose what the world would say was low or despised, even things that are not, so that he could bring to things that are, so that no human would boast in the presence of God. Paul says, here's the deal, you can be used by God because God's going to do it in such a way that nobody thinks you did it anyway. God chooses to use people in the midst of their weakness because God wants to make sure that people understand it's God who uses the church, not the other way around. And every different part in the body of Christ matters. You matter, not just to Christ, but this morning I want you to understand you don't matter just to Christ, you matter to the cause of Christ. Paul says every part is different and every part is needed. And Paul goes on in 21 through 26, and he says, every part, we depend on each other. He says, every part is dependent on the other. Verse 21, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, well, I don't have any need for you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't have any need for you. He said, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we actually bestow greater honor And our unpresentable parts, they're treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body that he's giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. He says that he does that so there will be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. He said everybody depends on the other. Verse 26, if one member of the body suffers, everybody suffers together. If one member of the body is honored, everybody rejoices Together, Paul tells us that the body of Christ depends on each other, and that's really the problem in the Corinthian church that Paul's writing to. What's happened in this Corinthian church is that there's a group of people who have elevated one spiritual gift above all the others. 
And most scholars agree, and I would as well, that really based on what Paul says later is there's a group in the church that has said you're really not a member of the church unless you speak in other kinds of tongues or in, in tongues. And they've said, unless you do that, you're not really a part of the church. And that gift is more important than the other. And Paul says, that's ridiculous. Paul says, that's ridiculous because every part matters. That's as ridiculous as saying, as your eyeball saying, well, I don't need hands. Or as your head saying, well, I don't need feet. He goes, it's stupid. He says, every part in the body is needed. Every part is different. And he said, here's the deal. Every part relies on the other. You cannot take your eyeball out and have it live on its own. And what that means is Paul is telling us that in the body of the Christ, connection is what matters. There is, it's never crossed Paul's mind that you could be divided from the body of Christ and exist. There is no life apart from the body of Christ in Jesus. It'd be the same thing as cutting off your arm and thinking it can live on its own. And Paul takes it even further and he says we are to be so connected in the church, in the body of Christ, that when one person suffers, all of us suffer. And I love the next thing he says. We should be so connected that when one person is honored, like we, we should rejoice because they're honored. And, and I don't know about you, but my temptation a lot of times is somebody gets honored and I'm like, well, nobody honors me. Right? I don't, am I the only one? All right. And so like, that's what we do, right? And Paul says we should be so connected that not only do we rejoice for this person because we love them and they're a part of our body, but he goes, you also rejoice for them because you understand that they could never do what they did if they weren't connected to you and your unique part in the body. When somebody in our church is honored for doing something great, it's honoring us as a body. If one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member is honored, we all rejoice. Jesus said in John chapter 17, he prayed to God. He said, Father, I pray that just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, I pray that my people would also be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus said the way that we're connected, the way that we're connected to God, the way that we're connected to each other will be an evidence to the world that Jesus came. Leonard Sweet tells of a church in Geneva, Switzerland, that has this 300-year-old tradition. It's a church that has no lights or electricity in the whole building. And everyone who comes to church, they, they come there and they bring their own unique light from home. It's something they do every time they gather, not just on Christmas Eve for candlelight or something like that. And he said, this 300-year-old church actually starts out completely dark. Like, you can't see when you walk in the building. There's no, there's no windows, there's no electricity, there's nothing. And he said, then one by one, every member of the church comes in and they hang their own unique light, whatever they've brought, on hooks all around the sanctuary. And as more people come, light begins to emerge in the church. And the cool thing is, he says, they have this tradition in their church that when you notice somebody's not there and you see them around town, instead of saying, hey, we missed you Sunday, they say something along the lines of, your light was missed. You know, our church wasn't as bright without you there. And it's literally true. Church, I want you to know this morning that the church depends on you. Even if you're not involved yet. Even if you feel like all you do is come on Sunday morning. The church is bigger than this congregation. It's bigger than this building. It's bigger than the programs that we do here. The church depends on you. Because as a follower of Jesus, you are a part of the body of Christ. You are connected. 
We depend on you, and when you're not here, when you're not involved, whether it's at Journey or in our community or around the world, when you are not actively serving the kingdom of God in whatever capacity God has led you in, then your light is missed. And the reality is the church is not as bright as it should be, and we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. And Paul says that light comes because we all have one purpose, At the beginning of chapter 12, in verse 4, Paul describes this idea that the body of Christ, though it's different, though it's unique, though it's all come together, it has one purpose. In verse 4, Paul says, now there are a variety of gifts. Everybody's gifted differently, but there is the same spirit. He said there's a variety of ways to serve, but there is the same Lord. He says there's a variety of activities you can be involved in, but it is the same God who empowers everyone to do them. Verse 7, he says, to every person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He says no one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, or he said to one, sorry, is given the Spirit of an utterance of wisdom, to another is given the utterance of knowledge, and to another something else according to the same Spirit. To another person is given the gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to yet another, the interpretation of those tongues. Verse 11, but all of those different gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions them to each individually as he wills. Paul says no matter what your gift or your talent or your ability, no matter what that is, it all comes under the umbrella of the same spirit. And here's here's the deal, church. That spirit lives in you and me. The one who directs the movement of the body of Christ dwells in your human body. I love that. I love that idea, and what Paul is telling us this morning, what Paul is defining the church as the body of Christ, what he is saying is the church is not simply just an organization that finds unity because of a common mission. The church is certainly that, (laughs) but Paul says it's not just that. Paul says the church, the body of Christ, is to be the literal, living representation of Jesus on earth. Don't miss that this morning. Paul says that the body of Christ, the church defined, is to be the literal hands, feet, heart, lungs, mouth of Jesus. You and I are now the incarnation of Jesus to the world. Surrendered to the Savior, guided by the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking these last three weeks in this series Maybe what the church is missing is we've forgotten how important our purpose is, right? We are supposed to be Jesus to the world. We're supposed to be the people that when they see us, they know that they want to follow God. We're the literal body of Christ in the world. And I think when we begin to understand who the Bible defines us to be, is when God does incredible things. When we begin to be reminded that we're supposed to be a family that is so tightly wound together and that we know each other and we love each other and we root for each other, when we understand that we are the bride of Christ, like we talked about last week, we understand that Jesus had to die so that we could come together, then we understand what's at stake. 
When we understand that God defines the church as the visible representation of Jesus to the world, it should change how we live. It should change what we do. And and I've been thinking about Paul's illustration of the body. And, And I don't know about you, I'm sure you all look great this morning, but I've been in this phase of like, I'm 42, and like, my body doesn't do the things it did when I was 22. Anybody else have that experience? That's just me? <laughs> like, what happened? Like, I'm, I'm that guy. Sometimes I look in the mirror and just go, what happened? <laughs> like, there was, used to be half of me. And, like, when I was 22, like, I could, I could run miles. I used to be a cross-country runner. Like, that was like 150 pounds ago. I could run miles at a time. When I was 22... I could lift weights that actually equaled or exceeded my body weight. Now that would be a house. And like when I was 22, I could dunk a basketball. And I look in the mirror and go, good Lord, what happened? And here's the deal. Some of it's just getting old. I get that. But here's the reality this morning. The reason my body doesn't do what it did 22 years ago is because along the lines at some point I quit using my body in the way God intended. Like, maybe if I would have ran a little bit more, my legs would run a little bit more now. Maybe if I had continued to, to use my lungs the way God intended, I could breathe a little bit easier. Maybe if I had continued to do the things that God created and designed my body to do on a more regular basis, I'd look a little bit more like God designed my body to look. Right? Well, I tell you that to tell you this. That's true in the church, too. I've seen it. See, see, the reality is, this is going to maybe just depress me, but like the reality is if I don't change, like how I live, if I don't start using my body a little more for the way that God intended it to be used, then the reality is that this body will die sooner than I would like. That's true in the church, too. I've, I've seen it. That, that first church that I served in that I talked about at the beginning, it's dead. And the reality is it died Because the body of Christ quit moving in the way that God intended them to move. And so it died sooner than it needed to die. And we need reminded this morning that as the body of Christ, he has designed us to move. The body of Christ was never designed to just sit and listen to somebody on stage. The body of Christ was designed to be moved by the Spirit to impact the world. Paul, in Ephesians 4, he says this. Paul talks about the people that we put on stage. He says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, the people that we call to lead the church. He says their job is to equip the saints, that's you and me, for the work of the ministry. The the people that lead our church, our elders and our paid staff, their job is to equip you and me to build up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all attain mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. He says, then we will no longer be children. We won't be tossed to and fro by waves of deceit or carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness or deceitful schemes. He says, rather, then we will speak the truth in love. We will grow. Their job is to help us grow in every way into Jesus, who is the head of the church from whom the whole body of Christ 
is joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when every part is working properly. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Journey as the band comes this morning to lead us in our closing song. Let me give you the Justin Ralston translation of that verse. Paul says the guys up here, their job is to get us to move. Their job is to get the body working again. And here's the deal. I talked about how, like, when you don't do that, you just, you look like this, right? But boy, when you start to do it the way God intended, church, I've seen that too. There's nothing better. There is nothing better than when dry bones come alive. Some of you have seen that. And Journey, that's what God's doing in our church. Like, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen bones come alive. While we look for a new lead minister, I've seen some of us step into gaps that needed stepped into anyway. I've seen some of us begin to move again the way God intended the body to move. I've seen people serve. I've seen people step in. I've seen people say, nobody's doing that. I'll do that. And I've seen us come back and move in ways that God is saying, this is who you're intended to be. So Journey, my, my, my challenge to us this morning as followers of Jesus is to hear his command to move. That we were never intended to sit. God didn't design the body that way. He designed us to move. He designed us to bring the hope of Jesus to the world. And so church, together as the body, let's, let's help people find Jesus. Let's leave this building and during the week help people find Jesus. Let's leave this building this week and help people learn what it means to follow Jesus. And church together, let's help each other be like Jesus. That's the way God intended our body to move all along. So this morning I invite you to listen to the Spirit as we sing and to move as he directs you to move. Let's do that. Let's stand and let's worship.